0: Welcome to the Cancel This podcast, a show where we like to talk about things that a lot of people might have issues with. In today's crazy world, people like to cancel topics that they don't like. I'm not about that. I love talking about everything because at the end of the day, when we keep it Christ-centered, we talk with open minds and open heart. Let's be honest, we can't be canceled. Today, my guest is Joseph Rojas. Joseph is the front man for the band Seventh Day Slumber, and he has an amazing story I'm excited to share with you guys. Joseph gave his life to Jesus in the back of an ambulance after a suicide attempt. Joseph's mile-long rap sheet and 400-a-day cocaine habit left him nowhere to turn. But God supernaturally showed up on the way to the hospital that night. My friends, that is where Joseph was. And where he is now is pretty amazing. He's a dad to three sons, a husband to an amazing wife. And if I went down his whole bio, we would be here for quite a while. So I'm just going to introduce him. Joseph, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm
0: honored to be here. Right on. Where do we find you this morning?
1: Nashville, Tennessee.
0: Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Yes, man. And what what are you currently doing? What are you working on? Because I kind of went over a bio from a while ago, and yeah. more of your story. Well, tell us a little something about yourself, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Well, right now, what we're currently doing is um, we're working on. We have two albums in the works that we we've just taken on this. Wow. It's a pretty big task of doing uh, two albums. We have a worship album. Uh, we have a lot of fans that, that love the, the worship style that we do. And then we have a lot of, you know, we're a Christian rock band. So we have a lot of fans that want a full Christian rock album. And so we decided to give them both albums. So we're doing a Christian rock album called Death by Admiration. And uh, and then we're doing a worship album, which we don't have titled yet, but we're right. really excited. You know, our last worship album has touched a lot of lives. It's, it it has.
0: So- I mean, just the numbers out there is it, seeing it and what it's been doing and, and how many people have downloaded it to the churches that are playing it, stuff is is absolutely amazing. So um, I can imagine you're super busy right now trying to get yeah. this all pulled together. So I really appreciate you uh, putting some time aside to talk with us. So let's talk about your music career. As a child, was that something that you were interested in? Did you kind of discover your talents early on, or where where did it first come from?
1: Well, my mom got me a guitar out of the Sears and Roebuck catalog, right? And um, kind of like the internet of its day, you know. And uh, so, at twelve years old, I got the um, I got my first guitar. I I was going through a lot in my life. I mean, I grew up without a dad, mm-hmm. so. I just was hurting a lot. I felt alone. I felt empty. And I was getting into a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And my mom thought getting me a guitar um, and getting me to do something, maybe even to stay home more, because I'd run out of the house at at 12 years old. And, you know, I was it was tough for my mom. But anyway, that's at 12 years old. I started playing guitar.
0: And I understand because that's where I'm going to kind of leeway into talking about that time in your life, because you know, I grew up in a house, honestly, without a mom. And my Mm. dad was a Vietnam vet struggling with the demons of his past. So I grew up under a system of abuse and I have no music abilities whatsoever, but you put a skateboard under my feet. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. So my vice, if you were at the time, especially since I was like, you not knowing the Lord and everything was, I would go out and skateboard, but let's be honest, when we leave the house and we go chase the love that we're not getting at home or we maybe we've turned away at home, you know, and, and stuff, and we go chasing the world, the world's going to give you some love, but it's not going to be the love that you're expecting. It's actually come going to come from a very evil uh, place. Is that a good assessment on maybe that's what happened during your time in your life then?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that's exactly what it was. It's just a, you know, just a lot of searching and a lot of trying to fill that void. And, um, I found it in people that maybe weren't so good for me, Mm -hmm. Uh, even older kids that were in a lot of trouble. But to me, it was kind of like that looking for that father figure, you know. Started was in trouble with the law when I was a little kid. I broke into my first home when I was nine years old, um, just trying to impress the older kids in the neighborhood I lived in.
0: Right. And that's, you know, that's a parallel that you and I have because me growing up in Southern California in the skater culture, it was the same thing. You know, I never joined a gang was was truly part of it. Let's be honest, when you're hanging out there in the streets, you kind of group to the group of guys that are going to pull you in. And I remember that too, that we would be going into liquor stores, you know, ripping off bottles of whatever. And and one thing I realized looking back at it now, because one thing I love about our past is that they're there, God let us experience them for a reason, but I love opening up my Bible and scripturally going back in that time. And mm-hmm. one thing I've found in my past is even though I was doing things with these guys, it never felt right. Even, even though I, because I, I, I was like the tag along trying to do things and, and I wanted to go get drunk or smoke some weed or do something like that because I was hoping it would take away the pain. Now, is that something that you kind of experience when you look back at it, that even though you were deep into it, it didn't feel right?
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly right. I, 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 even after, I mean, I started using drug and alcohol when I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found cocaine when I was 14 and that became my drug of choice. I've tried, you know, tried all the drugs obviously, but cocaine was the one that that was my drug of choice, but I would get a fix for, you know, a few hours, but I write, you know, you, there's this old saying, um, you you can't run from yourself. Wherever you go, there you are. Right. And so when that high wore off, I was right back to feeling empty. Then it got to a point where even in my high, I was empty. Right. And uh, you you try to fill it with so many things, and it just doesn't work.
0: Right. It's a you know, and and I explained this to people. And I wrote about it in my book when I was putting it out there was, I felt like there was a black hole inside of me. And at the time, not being a Christian, I couldn't explain the evilness that I was living under and that kind of took hold of me and stuff. And you nailed it, bro. I would sit there. And even once I got a little older, cause I didn't come to the Lord till I was 28 and I was a fireman, but as a fireman, I thought my job would fulfill that void. Right. And never did. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, my job was my cocaine. My job was my drug, my alcohol. But then I would go and, oh, I'm a fireman. So what do I need now? I need a big truck and a big boat, maybe a hot chick and things like that. And what you just described nailed it, bro. I would throw all of that at the black hole inside of me and it would quickly eat it up and make things worse. And eventually I got to a point where I could throw nothing more at it. And nothing would bring me happiness, not my career, not my life, not anything, man. And yeah. in, you know, I've watched a couple of your interviews and your stories out there and stuff. So you started using cocaine at a young age and then through your formidable years, your teen years, obviously an addiction probably formed.
1: Yeah, it, it did. Um, I ended up with a $400 a day cocaine addiction, but, um, you know, I started selling Drugs at the age of about fourteen, right? And so there was a lot of I had a lot of drugs around, but really, um, you know, the progression it 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 happened. I thought it was happening. Uh, you know, I, I it didn't seem like it was happening as fast as it as it was, right? You know, I knew that I had a problem with cocaine, but I didn't think it was like that that big of a deal. Right. You know, I knew that I was wrong. I was doing illegal activities and things like that, but I didn't think I was out of control. Right. I just felt like, man, you know, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just not a, yeah, I'm not the Christians type, you know Tell what me. I mean? You're
0: I'm, the, you're the outcast that we always yeah, hear about yeah, the yeah. side and let them go do their little holy stuff and do what makes them feel good. Exactly. I'm going to stay over here even. The, yeah, bro. But so, I'm not
1: out of control. You know, right. I, I can stop anytime. anytime I want. You and want if I wanted to, to be like them, I could, right. I just choose not to be, but little did I know how much cocaine was wrapping up a hold of me and Ooh. suffocating the life out of me. And, I, you know, we're talking about a fix. You run to these things for a fix, but we don't need a fix. We need healing, man. Right. We need healing. And a fix is just that. A fix will wear off, but healing, man, is long lasting. It's eternal, right. it, you know, and, and so that's what I was chasing was a fix, not knowing that what I really needed was healing from the inside out, healing that only Jesus could give me
0: amen brother and so during that time your life just to bring clarity to the story and everyone kind of knows this you were out of control you just didn't recognize it right yeah everybody else did right right so let, let's talk about that point where you finally start getting so lost so hurt so busted up that you recognize things were out of control how old were you do you think when you started recognizing
1: well I would say that when I started really seeing that I was out of control was when I stole from my own mother. The the mother that raised me, loved me through all of the stuff, had to come visit me when I was locked up in behavioral centers Ooh. or whatever it is. When I was locked up in jail, you know, she was the one that would come to visit me and and I would steal from my own mother to get high. You know, I'm, I'm talking about a mom who been working since she was a little right. girl right um you know and and has done everything and a hard worker
0: i mean she she worked she she didn't come at, into this world with a harvard degree right i mean she my was mom a blue started
1: picking, and, my right. mom was picking cotton when she was six years old to help her parents pay for her school shoes wow. she was she was born in a barn you know and so for real you know um and and so my mom sold furniture at, at Sears. They used to have a, well, they used to have a Sears, but they used to have a furniture department. And she worked many, many hours because she worked on commission. Right. So that's, a, that's the hard work. And she finally saved up enough to buy a, a nice TV for the house. And I stole that TV and sold it.
0: Honestly, not talking for her, but let's be real. It crushes any parent, but for someone like her, that's, you know, came from the quote, nothing in an American standard to, to busting her butt to where she was now, it must've crushed her soul to see what you were going through.
1: Absolutely. But I I think that the, it it wasn't even so much losing the things that I've stole. It was that her, the son who she loves so much would do this to her and she didn't really understand it at first. Like, didn't know that I was, she didn't know a whole lot about what this addiction was doing. You know, she knew that I was doing bad things and all this stuff, but, um, but it, it, it crushed her. It did because here's the son. She has two sons, my brother and I, and she loves us with, she would die for us, you know, without even thinking twice. And then I go and do that to her, but she never left me she never when i was 18 she ended up giving her life to jesus um, somebody kept bugging her lady i guess at, at at work or something but she ended up finally going with this lady uh to church and my mom she she surrendered her heart to the lord now that, that was a tough thing because you know we, we i was born catholic like mm-hmm. you don't get a choice in the <laughs> In the matter, like yeah, I've, I've heard that. I was said like, many my, times. My, she's like, I asked her to go to a, a retreat one time. There's a guitar player guy who was amazing on guitar. He was a Christian, mm-hmm. and but I, I wasn't a Christian at all. I didn't even really believe there was a God or anything. But mm-hmm. I, but I really looked up to this guy who was such a sick guitar player, mm-hmm. and I and I wanted to play like him. And he was uh, went to school with me. But anyway, he invited me to go to this church thing, and my mom, I remember her telling me, no, because you're Catholic. You can't go to, it was, he was a Baptist. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't even believe in God. She said, I don't care. You were born Catholic, (laughs) you know? And so, so for my mom though, to go to a church that was a charismatic kind of non-denominational church, that was, she wouldn't go. That's she, but finally because of me and, and because I, she was looking for help for me so bad she finally went to that church. Uh, they called it the crazy church by the airport Ooh, because they raised right. their hands. Yeah. Uh, and and she ended up yeah having an encounter with a living God and she gave her heart to Jesus. And that, that began, that's where the change happened in her. And
0: that began the seeds being planted in me. That's so amazing. You know, that's such an amazing story. And I mean, thank you so much for sharing that because praise God, because that, that's what I love about The church, you know, I go to a a Baptist church. Now we we jokingly say, yeah, Baptists celebrate, we just do it when no one's looking, you know. But I (laughs) I don't buy into that. Because with me, I also I don't want to stifle the Holy Spirit either, you know. So that's why I tell folks, you know, as long as we have the fundamentals, you know, through our faith alone and Christ alone, what he did on the cross at Calvary, there we couldn't work our way to it. That's why he was there. I love hearing this because, you know, having 700,000 people that, you know, contact me, follow me on Facebook, some go to this church, some go to that church. Everyone has an opinion. And what I always say is go to the one that the Holy Spirit leads you to. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's amazing. But dude, thanks. I mean, that, that's so awesome. So she comes to Christ. Mm -hmm. Now you're, (laughs) you're pushing away from Christ. You're rebelling. Probably that much more would be my guess during that time.
1: Well, she would she would just tell me that she'd say mijo, cause I'm Latino. And so she'd say mijo, God has a plan for you. God, she, she would come to visit me when I was locked up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the only one who, by the way, whoever came to visit me on visiting days, which is Tuesday, which was Tuesdays at that particular, um, facility, I've been locked up in and out of jails and, you know, locked up from Texas to California, but, and I'm not proud of that, by the way, I'm embarrassed and ashamed, but that's, that's part of my story.
0: Part of who you are, man.
1: Yeah. And so my mom would, she'd be the only one to come visit me, not my homeboys that had my back. not my, you know, nobody, it was her. She came to visit me and she, she would tell me, well, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. He, 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 he wants to change your heart. He wants to heal your broken heart. And I'd say, look, I would tell my mom, you know, I I never wanted to disrespect her. I, I'd already mm-hmm. disrespected her enough by right by stealing from her uh, and 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 all the things I was doing. But I was just like, Mom, I, I appreciate what you're saying. But even if you're right, and there's this holy, righteous God in heaven, mm-hmm. what would He want with a worthless drug addict like me, a criminal? And my mom would tell me, "You don't understand." When God looks at you, he doesn't see a worthless drug addict. He doesn't see a criminal. He sees his son who he loves. You know, and she, she, I mean, she would just let me know that God is not leaving, that he's there, that he loves me, and that he was there through every broken night I had. Every night I cried, he was there. Even when I felt alone, he was there, and she would just continue to pray for me. Wow. as I was in and out of jails and institutions.
0: Right. And so so she's obviously, you know, planting the seeds and watering them. And and I mean, you know, it, obviously we love everyone, but th- we just have this undying love for our children. So so it's so beautiful how she stayed prayerful for you. But during this time, it wasn't fully grabbing hold of you, correct? And you would go in and out of rehab, come out of rehab, and then yeah. start using again. Let, let's hear about that, if you don't mind me asking. Well,
1: I've been to you know, probably 13, 14 rehabs, several co- were court appointed. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I didn't even want to be there. I wasn't trying to get clean for me. And then there were several that I was trying to get clean because I didn't want to hurt my mom anymore. Mm-hmm. I loved her so much. And, um, and so, uh, you know, then being locked up, I've been arrested over 20 times. I, you know, I, I just was searching and I, right. and I, And I couldn't seem to get on the right track. And finally, there came a point where I was listening to what my mom was saying. And I was and it was like hitting me because I could see that she really believed it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like and I hate to say this, but I'm just going to say it. It wasn't like a lot of the other Christians I had seen who don't really stand on they, they talk a good game and even carry a Bible around, have a shirt that says Jesus on it, but they don't live for him. I, I, they, they'd be willing to bail on him in a second. And you've seen it through this pandemic, but we that's have, a yeah. whole other story. Right, right. No, and, 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 and
0: you, you nailed it there. And that's, you know, not to cut you off, but to go with that, what I do when I encounter that, instead of getting so angry and so mad at those people, I actually use them as a mirror. And I hold them up and say, Are there any areas in my life? Maybe I'm not doing the same thing as them, but are there any areas in my life where I'm not living for Him in a way that it reflects it to other people? Are, are there areas where I'm pushing people away because maybe they're not saved and I'm being a little too rough on them? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we have the truth, they don't. And I'm like, just trying, oh, you, but you don't get it. Well, they're not going to get it because the Holy Spirit hasn't you know, come upon them like he has me and you to show us the truth of scripture and and stuff. But so what I do is I pull back then when I see people like that, because I want to get angry. Don't get wrong. As a fireman from West Oakland, let's go. I'm I'm quick. That fool in full vent, that's me. Okay. That's the guy I quickly turned to. But instead of letting that happen, I love to use it as a learning experience, you know, and, and what the beauty of it is then looking at people like your mom, who is, is, you know, the a saint, she is a saint, you know, because she is saved by grace and stuff, but she lives it. You know, I love that, man. So during that time, you started using pretty heavy again. Let's, let's talk about yeah. that. Leading up well, the cocaine
1: addiction was just out of control at that point. I, I was in and out of jails, rehabs, like we talked about. My mom was literally Loving me into the arms of Jesus. And um, but it almost made me feel worse the way she loved me, how she loved me, made me almost feel like want to get high more. I know that sounds bad, I you. but I felt like such a, a piece of crap. I hate to not. I, I felt like so I felt like.
0: I felt like felt the worst crap. person you did, dude. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, there's no other way to say. I mean, there's other ways to say it, but that's the one I'll stick with. Right. But I, I felt like such a piece of crap, man. That like this woman is loving me, pouring her whole heart into me, and I and I'm like the worst person ever. And and I just wanted to – I would just drown myself in alcohol and cocaine. And um, but cocaine, like I said, was wrapping a hold of me, man. I I couldn't I couldn't go an hour without it and um
0: because you're chasing that initial euphoria correct because the euphoria that came from it so so growing up without having any happiness it brought you that chemical happiness with inside but like we said it slowly goes away until it got to to a
1: point where uh they call it chasing the dragon you're never gonna get that high again that you got when you first started using your my body was just used to it i no and so I could use cocaine and and not even get high it 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 was just a miserable place to be, and I was thinking about suicide every single day. My first thought of suicide was actually when I was about twelve years old. No, okay, and yeah, well, let me
0: cut you off right there, real quick, and I don't want to for you no. that's right about the time of my life when i uh first started thinking about suicide too is mm-hmm. Is't that crazy how your self-worth becomes nothing. And it's almost like the devil's like, oh, let me snatch his soul before, before, you know, Christ gets him and stuff and, and yeah. how he gets in there and how it grows. So the day that you were going to take your own life, what, what, where were you and mentally where were you?
1: Well, um, I was actually at my mother's home. I, I ended up through all this. I ended up homeless. Mm-hmm. I was living on the streets of Austin, Texas. And when I say homeless, I don't mean sleeping on a friend's couch. I mean, I was right. in an alleyway sleeping on cardboard or trash. Wow. My mom found me in Austin, Texas. She, she was looking for me. She found me. I would call her every night on a payphone just to hear her voice. And she found me. She brought me home. I was nasty, barefooted, dirty. She brought me home, got me cleaned up. But I I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel, like I said, worthy. And I made a decision that I was going to take my life. I, I ended up getting high again and i only had enough cocaine that would probably not even last me through the night so i just made a decision to just take my life man and and my mom walked in and i had just as i had overdosed and uh and she found me and uh called the paramedics and she was screaming and crying out to god right
0: so so you know, what I've learned is when we tell our stories, not that you're being nonchalant about it, but we're, we're telling a story because, you know, we're looking back in our past. But to set that scene, man, I mean, your mom, dude, she's the hands and feet of Jesus. She reaches out to you. She cleans you up. She lovingly cares for you. She's doing everything. She's fervently praying for you and, and doing what she has. And it just shows you how if we don't have the love of God within us and our love for him, you know, because people always say, you know, the first commandment, you know, love others. But then someone said to me first, let God love you though. Right. Because you weren't letting God love you. And when you don't let God love you, even when there's all this prayer and stuff going on around you, you still wanted to take your life, man. And, and the way that I explained to people was the moments before I was ready to, to take my life was the darkness that I was in. I felt no one else could see it or feel it I was there you know and, and no one else can and stuff so so to go further with this she's screaming and crying she calls 9 one the ambulance shows up and what happens then well I
1: was kind of like coming in and out and I remember my chest hurting really really bad and my mom was praying after she had called the paramedics she was just praying and crying And that's pretty much what I remember. But I uh, do remember that the paramedics got there and they had they started messing with me and there was like wires and tubes and whatever else they were doing. And they got me in the back of the ambulance and it was me and the paramedics. My mom wasn't in the back of the ambulance. They didn't let her come. But um, they had I I don't know what they had because I don't know all the medical terms, maybe the AKG. And so that was going on the back of the ambulance but I'll tell you this in the back of the ambulance, I felt the hand of God. I, uh, I couldn't speak with my mouth, Mm -hmm. but my, my heart, my soul was crying out. And, and so I don't, I didn't know, really know how to pray or what to pray, but my soul basically, I don't even know what I said, but it would have been something like Jesus. If you'll still have me, I'll give you my heart tonight. And you know, I, I know you're real. I felt him in the back of that ambulance. And and, and I've had some people say, oh, man, you were just high or make a joke. Like, dude, I've been getting high since I was 12 years old. I know what high feels like. I had an encounter just like my mom had an encounter with a living God. I had an encounter. I didn't. It's one thing to know who God is. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to experience him for yourself.
0: And to feel his power. I
1: experienced God in the back of that ambulance. I had an encounter and experience and I woke up in an intensive care unit and I was in the ICU for a few days. Uh, But it was there in the ICU that that began kind of my journey. There was a a man from my mom's church that came and he sat with me for like three days and just loved on me.
0: Right. Well, Look, I just, and we're going to go with that, but this part, because what you're explaining is, is something that just resonates with me and so many people, you know, people ask me in the fire department, you know, especially after they read my book, they want to see Jason, how many miracles have you seen? What have you seen? You know, because I've worked in the, you know, West Oakland is the busiest area in the United States for firefighting. You know, you got the guys in FDNY, they fight bigger, grander, high rise fires, but we just every day with what we have, people don't realize how busy we're. And the miracles that I have seen are exactly Mm -hmm. like what you're talking about. And one was firsthand was when I was in a fire as an atheist and I got trapped. I was getting ready to be burnt alive. And the same thing that you're talking about, everything, I couldn't explain it. I didn't know, but it was like everything that had been told me, it's like almost every single seed that had been planted in me sprouted at that exact moment. And the gospel message became real, even though I was like you, you know, I have a lot, I still have a lot of growing to do, you know, that was 18 years ago and stuff, but bro, the miracles I have seen are people that come to Christ. Cause what I say is I am not the salvation police. I'm not going to go down that road. Who's saved, who's not saved, which denomination is anything. But what I do is I know people are truly saved when they can keep talking about their cocaine, their past, the darkness, their past, and how Jesus is so much greater, yeah, you know what I mean man and, and, and stuff even with and don't get me wrong i I have fallen so many times since I become a Christian, we can talk about that in a bit and and the growth and, and going with it, but bro, it is so true, and I want the listeners to just hear that that in the back of the ambulance, even though you couldn't explain it, all the prayers, everything that people had said to you had become real in that moment. And God became alive, to, even though, you know, I'm not trying to be last here. He's been alive. He's yeah. been alive forever, you know, so, but he became real to you, dude. And that's so amazing, bro. I, I appreciate you sharing that part of your story with us. You're listening to the edify podcast network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the edify podcast network. So you're in the hospital, got people there Mm -hmm. with you, and, you know, you start to convert. And my guess is you might be like me is you convert. But if people looked at your life for that first couple of years, you know, the hardcore crazy, like, dude, is this guy really saved? And I'm like, well, I was really unsaved. I had a lot of years to grow out of. And there's probably that step with you that you still have that, quote, dead body, which we all do, that we're dragging along with us, the flesh. How did that work out for you, man, with your conversion process? Well,
1: you're right. It was a lot of people that didn't believe that it was real or he's just, you know, trying to whatever. Um, But but and I thank God there was no such thing as like a Facebook at the time uh, where people could, (laughs) you know, you could have people that sometimes people can be pretty messed up christian people like on facebook you know brother i don't believe that that person really knows jesus i don't you know and and they don't understand like i was just happy that i wasn't using cocaine anymore and that i had this experience like there really is this god um i was still rough around the edges there was a lot of things that had to be cleaned up but man i knew i knew that i had had an encounter with god i knew that he was real and nobody was going to convince me that he wasn't real And that moment changed everything for me. I couldn't unfeel and unsee what I had felt and seen in the back of that ambulance. And the wittiest atheist on planet Earth couldn't convince me that I didn't experience the hand of a living God, Jesus. Not just, I got to say, it's not the big man upstairs, the big pie in the sky. It's not, I'm talking about by name, Jesus Christ of nazareth i experienced him the holy spirit in the back of that ambulance and so um but yeah so there were a lot of naysayers it came upon you dude but yeah. man i i you will never you and it hurt it hurt to have people that i thought now we're now we're like on the same team now we're man you and me we're like the same and they're like no we're not the same i'm i'm right look they look down on me some of them but man thank god for those good, awesome men and women of God right. that didn't take that route because I think we can bash Christians a lot, but there right. are, But I'm alive today because of a praying mom, a Christian. I'm alive today because there were people that came alongside of me after I got saved and loved on me And spoken in my life and said, "Don't listen Mm -hmm. to them." You know, so and so. Yeah, I'm glad she comes to church. I think, but you know, or he comes to church. They're they're, they don't get what you're going through. I've been there. You stay
0: the course, right? Well, they've they've grown. It's it's like you know. I I explain it like this. You know, when when my child was two years old, I didn't expect him to act like a 13 year old, but. I also didn't let him get away with stuff that he shouldn't have gotten away at right. the age of two. You know, you worked with him at the age of two, man. And, and that's why it's so important, especially, you know, people that, that are in areas of your life that we may be busy and maybe I may be busy that I'm there for you. But I can direct you to the body of Christ, a good, God-loving local church full of people that are willing to grow it. Cause one of the things like me early on that I write about is I've been saved for two years before I married my wife. And my wife is the one who actually presented the gospel message to me. She was, she refused to continue dating me unless yeah. I went to church with her. She never said I had to be a Christian. <laughs> she said, come to church with me. Right. And she did the, the praying was gone. But two years after I had accepted Christ, we're standing there getting married and all of a sudden she's reading her vows. And she said, first and foremost, I love Jesus more than Jason. Now hear me out. I was a newer Christian. It bugged me for a quick minute. I was like, you're saying what all in front of all my firemen, buddy, that you love Jesus. And then all of a sudden the spiritual side clicks back in and says, Jason, you want a wife who loves yeah. Jesus more than you, you know? And, and so even you tell a story, Christian may be oh my gosh, oh, what is wrong with him? I was young. Give me a freaking break. And that's what I tell people, quit canceling everyone. Let's work with them. Now, obviously, if I'm somewhere and I see you and you're doing something you probably shouldn't be doing, and I know you and your brother in Christ, I'm going to talk to you direct. Hey, bro, we need to have a talk about this. I'm going to yeah. bring it to your attention. Now, if it's someone who's growing, I can't tell you how many times, including myself, I've gotten scripture wrong when I've been trying to decipher it as of other people, guess what? I let it go sometimes for other people and just pray for them, man. Cause otherwise I'm coming like, Oh, I'm a better, let me actually tell you what Corinthians says. Okay, dude, just, just pray for the people. You know, they're new, they're excited. They're this, but the last thing I'm going to throw in there before I throw it back at you is you're right, dude. People love to say, we know yeah. who you really are both Christians and non-Christians like because I get crushed with that all the time because I came to Christ in West Oakland, which is the middle of modern day Sodom yeah. Gomorrah, you know? And so people love to look at me like, Jason, we mm-hmm. still know the real you. Yeah, dude. So do you get that a lot? We Well, let's be honest. People like yeah. to go off of looks, right? Well, you're a rocker, dude. Let's keep it real. So you have a sick look, dude. With me, I got turned away from a church because I showed up dressed like a surfer. Yeah. What the heck, man? people Christians can be hard. Yeah, absolutely. It kind
1: of reminds me of like the, um, the doorman at a club, like, you know, at, at, at these high end clubs where uh, they pick and choose who gets to come in and, and meet the band or meet the, you know, or, or get into the club. And, and I feel like Christians, a lot of times they, they do that. They, they, they get to a point where now they're saved and they forget that they were once lost, empty, broken, nasty. And, mm-hmm. and so here they are, these doormen now patting people down before they can come into, to meet, meet Jesus. And Jesus is like, Hey, nah, uh, uh-uh. uh, that's not how it works. You, they want you to get cleaned up before you can come to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, "No, right. you can't get cleaned up before you come to me. You got to come to me to get cleaned up. That's how that works. And I don't need no doorman, by the way. You know, I can handle my own. I can, you know. And so that's 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 what we need to remember as Christian people that we uh, that we need to love people where they're at, meet them where they're at. Yes, we need to tell them the truth. Yes, God loves us too much to mm-hmm. leave us where we're at. But at the end of the day, without coming into the arms of Jesus you're not going to change right you're not going to change or it's not going to last or be real you got to come into the right. arms of Jesus to know your worth and and then things begin to happen when you start seeing how much Jesus loves you how much that he he has a plan for you and that your plan is horrible compared to his and you start getting to a point where you're willing to abandon your plan because you can now trust that this father in heaven mm-hmm. loves you and that his plan is best, even though it hurts sometimes. And you're like, man, this is hurting me. I would rather do it my way because you know, you want that fix. And Jesus is saying, oh, yeah. no, exactly. but we, this may hurt right now, but healing is, is a process and coming to my arm. When you get to that point where you're loved so much that you know you can trust him and his word, that's when the change begins to happen. But only the Holy Spirit can draw you near. And so people need to quit being the doormen and the gatekeepers of heaven and love right. you the way Christ loved
0: them. Right. That, that That's what, you know, because like being a fireman, that's what I explain to people. And I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal better than anyone else. But when you sign up, you're signing up to selflessly put yourself aside and respond to the needs of others without judging. We would just show up, you know, And, and I started realizing even after I first came to Christ, my first ministry actually was serving the homeless people both on and off duty because we have a huge homeless population in the Bay Area and in West Oakland. It was huge. And I try to, you know, you and I could have a great discussion. We could do a whole nother show on this about the choice of being homeless, as opposed to the results of how they ended up there, you know, with, with with abuse like you and I maybe endured and, and how then we chase the drugs and how it dragged us down and the evilness just kicked us down. And, and the, the folks that are um, mentally ill that have high levels of it, cause I, I'll, st- I'll throw it out there. I know every human being is mentally ill. We just have different levels of it, and different times where it really hits us hard and stuff, you know, dude. And, and that's why you keep saying, we just got love because I, I, I fall old school on this and that people hate hearing it, but I always say, hear me out, Christian, we are commanded. We are commanded to love. And then what does that love look like? Well, we can all the way from Genesis to the indices, it it points, and I know the indices is the book of Revelation. People always yell at me for that, but it's all pointing to Christ. But it also says we have to point them to Christ and pour the love out on them that he poured on to us, which is grace. We got to give grace upon grace upon grace. Now, does that mean that we're doormats and get kicked down and be that? No, nah, man, we're, we're all, you know, as Christians, we're, we're not strong, but we have the strongest one in the, the universe yeah. taking care of us, you know, so we can fall back on his strength, but to just love, love and love. So here's a question. I'm going to come mm. out of nowhere, you, bro. So you talked about rehab early on. I'm going to ask you a serious question because in the fire department and EMS and the police world that, you know, I'm a huge part of, we have some major issues with, with drug use related to PTSD and stuff like that. Why didn't it work? Why didn't the rehabs work before you came to Christ?
1: Well, I would have to say that it's because what we're seeing now with the numbers and the stats that I was going to secular rehabs. And now with the numbers and the stats, you're seeing that it's faith-based rehabs that have the highest percentage of success. And I didn't go to any faith-based rehabs. I was going to just, you know, find a higher power. It can be a a cactus because, you know, yeah, whatever it is. Whoever you choose to be, God. Hey, listen, man. I don't need a God right. that I can do the same thing as. You know what I mean? I, I, I mean, I, I'm ta- I don't. I don't need a God that I created. You know, I, I, that's not what I need. A God that I create is going to do right. nothing for me. I need the Creator of the universe, the one true God, the living God. That's who I need. And so anyway. Um, it, it makes sense to me now, as I look back, why those rehabs didn't work. And, they, and then some people say, well, they work for other people. Yeah. I mean, they did work for other people. But most of the time when I would go to a lot of these meetings, uh, here's how it would go. Hey, um, my name's Michael and I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic. And I'm like, Hi, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today um, everything was pretty miserable. My wife left. I feel like Sometimes there's no right. um, hope. I lost my job. I can't seem to keep friends around. But thank thank God uh and my thank my higher power that I'm not using today. And and I'm like my higher power, right? Dude, why aren't you high right now? Like seriously, if I had that right. horrible of a life power can... cocaine was right. the only good thing right. I had at that point. I mean right. I, that was your not, higher power at I'm not the time. trying to be like cynical or anything I'm just saying if your life is really that bad no you're not of course you, why wouldn't you just get high like what's the point but for me right I I, I I and I see these faith-based um facilities and 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 rehabs like celebrate recovery and like other ones and I see that yeah. uh, you know uh teen challenge and stuff like that and I see them and the people they talk different. They're like, man, you know what? Today right. was hard, but yeah, but they're like, today was hard, but I feel good. I feel good. I feel like there's hope. I feel like, and I'm like, right. that is the difference between a higher power and having Jesus.
0: Amen. Yeah, no. And why I wanted to ask you on that is because, you know, after I I wrote my book talking about the struggles I had with growing up in abuse, then, then you know, being a fireman and then still taking on all the the evilness that I dealt with on a daily basis, how it was dragging me down people will say, wow, man, you, you're a pro when it comes to dealing with PTSD. And I'm like, look at my shoulder, I'm like, who, me, a pro? Dude, I'm not gonna claim to be a pro on anything, okay? But one thing I will claim to be a pro on is the truth that Jesus gave me. And so what I tell people, especially for anyone who may not be a Christian listen: reach out for help. First off. Okay. Don't sit there and think, Oh, these two Christian guys are going to say it's not going to work. Nah, we're going to work yeah. on you spiritually over here. We're going to be praying for you. Okay. Reach out for the help because I believe in counseling and I believe in science. I believe in medication. I believe in this. I just believe that God created these things and he wants us to steward them properly. I also believe that because man has his hands and all this stuff, eventually these levels yeah. will collapse. And if we have a treatment that is not grounded in Christ, when it collapses, which includes me and you, because we fall all the time. So if we don't fall back into the arms of Jesus, we're falling back into the yeah. pit of hell again. So we need to be, have a, you know, Christ of the cornerstone grounded in God. That's where it's at in our faith. But I also believe a lot of people can go to the secular, get yeah. their heads cleared up and then start hearing the voice of God calling them too, you know? Yeah.
1: Listen, I'm with you on that. And I think it's important that we clarify that because, um, because I yeah. do believe that there were two things happening with me. Number one, I wasn't ready to go and get cleaned up at these facilities. And, right. and I, and there's a saying, keep coming back. It works. If you work it, that is so true. Like I believe that you can go to a secular um, facility or uh, be a part of a program uh, and work the twelve steps and keep coming back. It works so as long as you're not giving up and you're really trying and you really want to get clean mm-hmm. and have a different life. Hey, it, being around good people uh, that uh, that have overcome, um, you know, and working the twelve steps and things like that. I I would encourage anybody to go. What I'm saying is, if you're looking right. no, for I agree. hope and you're looking.
0: Yeah, Eternal for purpose
1: hope. and belonging yeah. and trying to figure out why you still feel empty, even though you're not using drugs anymore, alcohol that I'm telling mm-hmm. you, only Jesus can give you that.
0: Right. Amen. Amen, brother. And that's what I just, you know, like I say, it wasn't like we're going off wrong or that. I just wanted the listeners to hear that, that that what we're here for is eternally. I mean, we want, you know, like when people come to me, hey, will my life be better? Like, Jason, the day after you became a Christian, was everything perfect? I'm like, no, man, I woke up and that day still sucked. At a worldly level because we're still on this fallen world full of broken people. But I now have clarity on why we're here. I now have that eternal hope to fall back into, man. So so that's what you and I yeah. are also discussing is the help. But eternal, you know, we, we want everything to be eternal. And that's a prayer that all Christians have for everyone else that we're going to show up and, and help you find the help, help you find the rehabil- uh, sorry, rehabilitation. But ultimately, we're here to bring you the eternal hope that was gi- graciously yeah. given to us, man. So I appreciate it. So, bro. There's a couple other things. I will, actually, I'm going to hit you up with a, a big one before we wrap up here because we actually went mm-hmm. a little over the time uh, allotted, but man, it's just been so cool, you know, going on, on those rabbit holes with you and stuff. So if someone has someone in their life and they're just not come, pulling together and they're down and out, they're where you used to be and they're on the verge of, quote, canceling them because they're done with them, what, do you, what would you like to say to those people?
1: Well, I would just... Continue to say that it was my mom that loved me into the arms of Jesus. I remember calling her on pay phones and, and instead of hanging up or g- getting on the phone and saying, what you do today? How many of you would you steal from today? Oh, uh, how many, who do you owe money to today? Who, you know, and she, she just said, Hey, uh, meanwhile, I want you to know that God loves you, that he has a plan for you, that he, there's hope. You know, waiting for you. And, and she continued to Ooh. be there. Sometimes, um, we get to a place where we just, we just want to constantly criticize and let people know how wrong they are. They know how wrong they are. Let me just tell you, I knew how wrong I was. I knew the mistakes I was making, but my mom, kept letting me know that I didn't have to live like that. And she just continued to be there. And I would encourage people that um, maybe are canceling. So I'm done with Susie or I'm done with, you know, whatever. They just will never change. That's not true. People told my mom that I would never change. They told my mom that I was the worst that they had seen. And here I am today. God is using me to lead hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus, to him. And so I just want to encourage, first of all, those praying moms, Moms and dads, God hears you. He it, it may not happen in your time uh, or when you want it, but I promise you, God hears your prayers. Keep praying uh, for your family member, your loved one, your husband, your wife, whoever it is, your kids, your parents. But also to, like I said, to those that are just canceling people out, I, they'll never change. I want you to remember that there is probably a time in your life when you, uh, if all of your thoughts, the things you thought about, things you've looked at on the internet, things you were all put on a Computer screen on a Sunday morning service. uh, I wonder if you'd sit through that service or if you'd run out the back as quickly as possible. Hmm. The grace and mercy of God um, is sufficient for all of us and all of our faults and failures. Don't forget that.
0: Amen, brother. So check this out, man. When it comes to quote promotions, dude, I'm not this like big promo guy. What I do is once I get to know someone, I'm like, okay, this person's sick yeah. and a good sick. Okay. Cause I know I have a lot of older listeners. I was like, he's sick. <laughs> no, he's legit. He's awesome. Okay, dude. I love people getting to learn about other people like an artist. Cause there's so many people. You're just a guy up on a stage with a cool voice and a guitar, man. And I'm going to tell you what, whoever is out there listening is not, a fan of this guy right here i don't got anything else for you okay but seriously joseph tell again one more time where people can find you and find the things you've got going on because my guess is you probably got a bunch of new fans after that really awesome talk we just had
1: Oh, that means a lot to me, man. And once again, I'm honored to be uh, on the show and everything, and, and and you know, part of the podcast and everything. But um, I would just say um, we're on Facebook, Seventh Day Slumber. It's just spelt out S E V E N T H Seventh Day Slumber, like God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day He rested. That's that's all it means. People always ask me, what does it mean? They're waiting for this amazing you know, thing. Right. It's just God created. <laughs> right.
0: Everyone always yeah, wants that big, just, amazing ceremony.
1: There and on, uh, we're on Instagram as well. And we answer all of our messages. Like it's really us that's writing you back. So if you, you know, go to the Facebook and you feel kind of overwhelmed, like there's a lot of people commenting or there's a lot of Whatever we, it really, you can still send us a message and maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're struggling in life and you just need someone to, to just be with you, to pray for you about whatever you're dealing with. We really do pray for all of you guys and we, it, we really write you back on um instagram and facebook but we you can also get our personal information by uh hitting us up on those
0: social sites and that's so good dude well i'm also going to make sure in in the show um notes and everything we're going to have a link to everything in there including everything you got going on man and um when you see this guy jason Sotell, pop up on there and needing some prayer and needing stuff even if he goes a little too much <laughs> i know <got> you. <laughs> you will all right all right, brother. Hey man, it's been such a blessing having you here today, hanging out and just talking about the cool stuff and letting the Holy Spirit have his way with guiding the conversation too, man. So again, Joseph Rojas, man, thank you so much for hanging out here on the Cancel Is Podcast, man. You have an awesome day. You too.